to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the January issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled The Cowherd Appraisal Performance Software, CHAPS, Benchmark Data, a Review. This is an article that came from an article actually that was published in the 2021 North Dakota Livestock Research Report that focuses on the Cowherd Appraisal Performance Software Program that's been developed by North Dakota State and been in place for now over 35 years. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Zach Carlson, who's at North Dakota State University. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Dr. Carlson, before we dive into and talk about the CHAPS program, tell us a little more about yourself, your role, and your responsibilities there now at North Dakota State University. Yeah, so I just graduated from uh, the University of Nebraska with my PhD. My uh, training has been in ruminant nutrition, and I started here at North Dakota State in May, this past May, as the Extension Beef Cattle Specialist. So uh, my uh, office is in Fargo, but uh, my role is is primarily extension, of course, um, when uh, 70% extension and 30% research. So uh, a lot of, of what I do is, is tied in with programs like CHAPS and what we're going to talk about today, as well as many other aspects of the, the beef production systems here in North Dakota. Dr. Carlson, tell us more about the CHAPS program. What's the history of that? Where did it originate? How does it work? What's the value of the program to producers? So there was two uh, organizations that got together to form what is CHAPS. And so the, the Cowherd Appraisal Performance Software Program, as we know it today, was established in 1985 with the joining of both the North Dakota Beef Cattle Improvement Association, so an association off of the Beef Improvement Federation here in North Dakota, and NDSU Extension. And so records have been kept here within the state for production parameters uh, such as pregnancy, uh, calving, you know, uh, weaning rates and things along those lines since 1963, but the joining together between NDSU Extension and the Beef Cattle Improvement Association in 1985 is when CHAPS actually was established. It's gone through many different iterations as technologies improve, but essentially users of the program itself would be able to submit their data typically at the at weaning um, and in regards to pregnancy rates, calving rates, weaning rates, as well as then you know uh, birth dates of all those animals and and basically a way to have their data analyzed and reported back to them to look at these specific parameters and so even into um, animal weights such as calf you know steer heifer and bull weights as well as cow weights and, and body condition scores. And that was all then brought back to them. Uh, one primary use then of, of, of you know, utilizing uh, basically a CHAPS program is that their data set then gets put into uh, what we call the, the CHAPS benchmark. So essentially uh, the criteria for that are producers need to have three consecutive years of data put into the CHAPS system and have at least 50 cows enrolled each year. And once they do that and meet those, then their data actually gets pooled together and each year 
the staff working uh, on CHAPS and, and NDSU Extension put together these benchmarks. And so it's, it's the compiling all of the data sets uh, of all the herds and um, putting these that out for users to then look back on and, and look at the, these benchmarks and kind of see how they rank having their data compared to the other users within CHAPS. And so it's a great way then to also, you know, this information we publish in our, our annual uh, livestock reports. And then uh, that's provided then, of course, to anyone that wants to view it. So it's, it's a great way for the CHAPS users to, to look at, get their data and look at that, as well as compare kind of how people participating in the same program are doing. And then it gives a, a good idea for, for other producers in the state and, and in the region kind of uh, these benchmarks and, and values. As we look at the benchmark data, to me, it's interesting to go back and you have what you call five-year rolling averages, where you look at the production data from the last five years, and then basically summarize that. Share with us some of the trends that have taken place over the last 35 years in terms of what's happened with productivity in the cow herd. What are some things that occurred and, and what are you seeing currently right now? Yeah, so uh, in the current uh, 2021 livestock report, you can find that at NDSU's livestock page. We have the the most recent report at, um, has published the benchmarks kind of in a five-year period. So 2020 all the way back to 2000. And each one of those emulates five years of data, as we've said, these rolling five-year averages. So this year, the 2021 benchmarks would encompass data collected from 2016 to 2020. And if we look in that table, you know, and really the trends that I see as we move, have moved from 2000, uh, you know, into 2020, the ones that stick out to me are kind of uh, it, on the cow side, a calving percentage and then calf crop wean. So calving, you know, number of calves uh, born alive has has probably increased, uh, you know, the, this data shows about one and a half to 2% uh, from 2000 to 2020. And so we see a little bit of an increase there in, in percent calves, as well as then if we look at, uh, uh, you know, I think what's interesting then is we follow those calves through into weaning and we see an increase there in weaning rate and even at a higher level uh, there of about 3% increase, um, you know, in 2020, that being, 91% of calves uh, weaned of the herds participating. And so we can identify too, uh, where death loss is occurring. And so I think it's, it's really interesting to see, you know, at, uh, we're not really seeing a, a, a death loss kind of at the, at the cows exposed, but maybe, you know, as you might imagine more so uh, during that weaning period. And so of the calves uh, on the ground. And so I, I think it's, it's uh, interesting to see there, and, and I think those trends have kind of stick out a little bit. Another one, um, one of the maybe uh, better known characteristics of CHAPS is the calving distribution, where essentially um, we take the bull turnout date defined by the user and then the birth dates of the calves and backtrack essentially to when, you know, it looks like that, that conception occurred, that breeding occurred for that individual cow. And so kind of, you know, always keeping in mind that, you know, most herds should be between 60, 65 uh, percent typically of cows, uh, you know, breeding occurring in that first 21 days of the breeding season. 
But in that table, if we look at the number of, uh, of essentially uh, breedings that are occurring after 63 days, that to me kind of sticks out as a, as a pretty, uh, you know, it's a small number to begin with, but we saw it go from about five and a half percent, 2000 down to three and a half percent. And so suggesting, you know, again, not a very large number, but a, a, a decrease there. And as we think about kind of, you know, some of the heat synchronization techniques and things that have kind of developed over the years and a lot of data out of Nebraska, uh, you know, other universities as well looking at that, that kind of sticks out a little bit to me. And uh, maybe probably the, the largest one is, as we talked, you know, we talk a lot over the years about uh, birth weights in calves and, and, you know, having chased maybe higher weaning weights and things along those lines. But uh, the, the CHAPS data set shows a decrease of about six pounds occurring from 2000 to 2020, going from 88 or 86 uh, pounds down to 82 here in the in the last round of, of benchmarks. And so a decrease of, you know, about 5% there on birth weight. And so with, with really not showing any decrease in those same calves at weaning time in terms of weaning weight. So pretty consistent across years there in the benchmark. So I think those are really some of the bigger ones. Um, I maybe should mention too, it looks like a lot of uh, the way CHAPS can work and does work is separating uh, percent, uh, again, those calving distributions, and then it will separate heifers from your cows. And so you can see basically a difference in those uh, replacement females you're selecting for and the conception rates of those females. And over time, we, we do see a larger increase in the number of heifers that seem to be cycling and therefore having higher conception rates earlier on, again, using that back calculation from the birth date and the bull turnout date. And so we do see a pretty big increase if you look at the data in that first 21 days of the breeding season for uh, the heifers. And so I think kind of those are, to me, some of the bigger takeaways that as we look over across the benchmarks. Dr. Carlson, as we look at these changes you've noted, there's no doubt there has been some change, but when we look at how much change has occurred, really over the last 15 years, minimal amount of change in terms of productivity. And, you know, I just also want to acknowledge the producers who are part of the CHAPS program there tend to be very productive from an industry standard standpoint. I mean, the average cow pregnancy rate somewhere in the mid to low 90s, you know, calf death loss of 3%, you know, weaning over 90% calves weaned per cow exposed. That's pretty exceptional. I would say, especially as you look at the nation as a whole, very set of productive cows there that you have in terms of the people who are working with your benchmark data set. You're absolutely right, uh, Aaron. When we look at this, we, we have to caution um, that there are more than likely when we think of how many participants there are in this program and currently there's 33 herds enrolled in in chaps at one point in time some of these benchmarks back in 2015 or thereabouts would have encompassed 70 herds and uh the the herd at size uh the average herd would have been at that point in time back in the mid uh 2000s around 300 and we're down to 200 and so if we think about the people that are enrolled right now in the program and everything you're absolutely right and that these operations are more than likely utilizing some some of these technologies that we've developed and and are really um 
um, looking at that. And so I, I do think you have to caution against, um, you know, diving too deep into, again, like you mentioned, some of these changes. But I do think uh, one benefit within uh, some of the reporting that we do in our year, annual um, benchmarks is to break down percentiles. And so basically quartile the data set so we can look at the lowest 25%, the median or the 50 percentile, 75 percentile and kind of work through those to help try to break down because uh, I learned in grad school that you know, FIGER averages are, are, are an okay assessment, right? They, they, they control a little bit of the variation that we see, and we certainly do see variation, uh, as we know, year to year, if we even consider, you know, this year to be one of those, one of those uh, outlier years. And so uh, benchmarks aren't, you know, uh, perfect by any means, and averages are averages, right? Uh, there's, and so uh, I couldn't agree more with you there, um, one of the things that that uh, with that in mind and uh, is that the fact we are updating the program and it currently is actually moving from basically a, a software on your computer to uh, web based so that you can access it wherever you have internet access. Doing that has allowed us to make some changes to what the users can actually see in terms of, of, of data and be able to allow them more accurately to compare themselves to watch progress through the years as producers set goals and try to maximize, you know, uh, unit cost of production, but be able to ha really have those pr production parameters in place uh, and, and be able to uh, kind of do a better uh, assessment of their own production a system to give them a better idea of where they are to kind of address uh, some of the issues you've, you you kind of talked about here. Dr. Carlson, I think what you just said there around tying production back to cost of production is I look at this data for a lot of the people who are in your benchmark data set, there doesn't appear from my perspective to be a lot of opportunity for improvement in terms of production. In fact, I would say in some cases, uh, to try to improve productivity anymore, the cost of improving the productivity may actually have greater cost than it does in terms of value production. And I'm not saying again that it's not good to be very productive. That's not it at all. But I do think that as we look at where the benchmark data herds that you have in place there as part of the CHAPS program, uh, for many of them, they've probably maxed out or maximized what they're going to be able to do with the given set of resources they have and genetics in terms of productivity. Exactly. You're exactly right. I think, I think, you know, uh, we're, we're well into, you know, looking at those, those average values and, and really being quite high in, in, in terms of production efficiencies already. And so uh, that is something we're hoping with the uh, updated program, you know, that, that we kind of can, can cast a wider net on, on those operations that aren't participating yet that could possibly seek a little bit of value, um, you know, from, from this system and be able to actually identify uh, weaknesses, uh, maybe in their specific herds or, uh, or potential strengths that they, that they don't know too much about or, or haven't identified within their system yet. And so I do, I do agree when we look at 
uh, where this data set can go as a, an improvement standpoint, there isn't much left. Uh, um, but certainly we know some, there's still some Im improvement we can see out, out in North Dakota and, and, you know, certainly in many other states. And so uh, our hope is, is to uh, try to help, uh, uh, you know, identify those producers and see if, uh, you know, get, get them enrolled in the, in the program if they're willing and, and try to, uh, try to show them kind of, uh, what the, the capabilities and, and the use of, of, of using these benchmarks to help establish their own goals and back to what you said uh using these to to truly identify you know uh um, what the pr production costs are associated with this and get to a unit cost of production so that uh decisions can be better made in their system depending on you know uh what they choose to do with what route they go so for folks who are interested in the chaps program you mentioned the summary of the data and the 2021 North Dakota Livestock Research Report. I assume that you have to be a North Dakota state producer to participate in CHAPS? You do not. Um, we have actually several different uh, states that, that have uh, a few herds participating. You know, as you imagine, uh, there is one in Nebraska that part currently participates and in South Dakota. And our hope is that, you know, as we get uh, more participation, you know, in the region, um, with, with, with this update that we can, we can start to develop maybe regional, uh, you know, benchmark sets and kind of break these down. So currently, no, uh, you do not have to be operation that, that, uh, that resides in North Dakota to participate in this. Anyone and all are welcome, of course, as we think about the changes in production systems across the United States, there certainly has to be a a point where, you know, we, we, we take in information, but maybe won't be able to utilize it within the benchmark as we think about system differences, uh, you know, as we move uh, south or west or, or east, that's for sure. Oh, but certainly for the northern Great Plains, I'm thinking here, Montana, Wyoming, South Dakota, into Nebraska, uh, Minnesota, I, northern Iowa, that, that whole region there, although there is some significant differences, probably would still fit within your benchmark data set. Yes, we like to think, uh, you know, it would certainly be applicable to, uh, to the, the upper uh, northern plains, uh, certainly in, in, in uh, most production systems. Yes. Dr. Carlson, anything else about the CHAPS program you think would be valuable for producers to know and understand? And also, if someone had an interest in participating in the program, how would they go about finding more information and look towards signing up and getting involved? Yeah, so um, we do have a website. It's ndsu.edu backslash chaps. That's C-H-A-P-S backslash. So you can find out more information on um, both the, the reports that, that we're talking about today, as well as some information on the, the updated program. Um, currently, we don't, the, the access to that program should be coming through, of course, with the holidays. Uh, we've been uh, tied up a little bit, but that, that program should be accessible here uh, in the next couple of weeks on that website. But there's um, a bunch of information there. And if you're interested, reach out uh, through email or you can contact myself. 
and I'd be happy to help you. Uh, one, one of my uh, extension programs here is uh, utilizing um, CHAPS and, and helping people through the system of CHAPS and then trying to um, um, direct kind of where the program moves uh, forward. In. And so, um, yeah, uh, it's certainly, uh, uh, you know, encourage people to take a look and see if it fits their operation. Uh, and if so, uh, yeah, feel free to reach out and contact me. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Aaron. For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you can find the review of the 2021 North Dakota Livestock Research Report. Also, if you have an interest in the CHAPS program and you would like to participate or learn more, I'd encourage you to contact Dr. Zach Carlson. Again, he's at North Dakota State University there and can help you with the details around signing up and getting involved in the Cowherd Appraisal Performance Software Program.